This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday, and thank you for joining me for the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, with my co-host tonight, Joan Kelly Walker, media personality and philanthropist. Uh, welcome, Joan. Welcome back. I haven't seen you Hi, in a little bit. Hi, thank yeah. you. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Always nice sharing um, the show with you. Uh, so how can you recognize a toxic relationship? That's what we're going to talk about today. Tonight's guest, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, will be sharing some insight into toxic relationships. After all the media coverage surrounding the Johnny Depp versus Amber trial, you know, many of us are, are taking a deeper look at what toxic relationships are. And tonight, we're going to aim to help you understand and recognize these. Dr. Frida Birnbaum, PhD, is a research psychologist and psychotherapist in Saddle River, New Jersey, and the award-winning author of Life Begins at 60, a new view of motherhood, marriage, and reinventing ourselves, and What Price Power, an in-depth study of the professional woman in a relationship. And tonight, we're going to be discussing the signs of a toxic relationship, how you can avoid them, and what you can do to get out of one. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Dr. Frida. Uh, how's it going? Thank you so much. Uh, this is a very complicated issue. We have so much involved, our emotions, our backgrounds, uh, where we are uh, with our health, emotional health as well. So there's a lot to be looked at uh, when you meet someone. And not only if you're attracted to that person, uh, we have to look at that person's background. And most of all, uh, we marry our parents, and that's a scary part of it. So everything that you didn't like about your parents, you say, wait a minute, why is this happening to me again? And there's a reason for it. There's a, a comfort in the dysfunction uh, that we didn't realize uh, we have. And so we marry somebody that's familiar to us. We're looking at Johnny Deb. Um, he had a mother that was physically and emotionally abusive. He walked around covering his head, not knowing uh, if she was going to do something physically, not knowing why she was doing something physically. And then he had a father who kept silent till he finally left. So here we are repeating the same pattern that he had uh, with his ex-wife, Amber Heard, uh, where she seems to have been seen as someone who had violent uh, bursts of uh, throwing things at him. Um, not only being physical, but not telling the truth, escalated situations. Uh, Johnny, who is somebody who also is addicted, I'm not saying he's an angel either, drugs and alcohol, similar to his father, left the marriage. And that's the pattern uh, that was revealed with this couple as well. Wow. Um, well, how about we, we start off by, thank you for all of that. Let's start off by defining a toxic relationship. I mean, this can take many forms and which can be hard to recognize at first. So what does a toxic relationship look like? Well, people are often complimented when someone is controlling them and they feel that that person cares about them, uh, that person will protect them, but really that person uh, feels that he's dominant and can really take advantage of someone who doesn't have the same self-esteem. And that becomes more toxic as time goes on. So you have to be careful uh, why you're with somebody and is that relationship a healthy one? 
Okay, so you know, on the flip side, what does a healthy relationship look like? Like, what are we supposed to be aiming for in a healthy relationship? Well, the first thing uh, in a healthy relationship is to be friends, to know who that person is before you become intimate. When you're intimate, uh, you have difficulty being objective. Uh, you become more subjective with that person. So find out about that person's likes and dislikes, what you have in common, what's similar, and also to find out the background of that person. What are his parents like? Are they divorced? Is there dysfunction in their family? The third thing to look for is their friends. Are their friends saying good things about them or bad things about them? Or what is their past? What have their past relationships been like as well? And then most of all, are they healthy? You have to be able to meet someone uh, if you're healthy first, which means that person should add to who you are already uh, then to fill a void in your life that you have to take care of first. So that's really what a healthy relationship is defined as. Hmm. You know, the part that I find kind of intriguing is that kind of gray zone. Like when you first meet someone, it would seem healthy. It would seem like you're being friends. You're finding out about each other. You're kind of swept off your feet and you get sucked into this vortex. Like you said, we, you know, there's comfort in dysfunction. And I think this dysfunction would start really small and then kind of escalate. So that's the part where I think it's the danger zone. Is that right? That's absolutely true. And we have to be careful. You know, when we go out, we, we are really romancing each other. We look the best, we present ourselves in the best way. And it's very exciting. But how long can you keep that up? So after a while, eventually, you do find out about that person if you're not overly uh, connected to that person. The problem today, just to get off the topic, but this is important, is that toxic, well, I guess it is about toxic relationships, uh, involve just a push of a button. We have too much access to meeting people. And so we don't give the opportunity of evolving in a relationship long enough to see if we can work things out together as a couple. So if we don't like something about someone, we just go on to the next person. And mm -hmm. that's really been a problem. And, and also the fact that we live together. I just went to a wedding yesterday and I was listening to the rabbi's wording. You know, this is the first time you will be together as Mr. and Mrs. I said, hey, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. So we live together and you we all know that they're going to there's going to be problems because everyone comes from different places. And so when you're married, uh, you often try most of the time try to work it through living together. You can just walk away from one partner to another. So I guess as you're asking me, that's a good question. That is a toxic relationship as well. Getting involved. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's good to know uh, who you're with. You know who you're with as you get to know that person. But working on that is so extremely important. And we often don't do that because there's no commitment uh, before we get involved. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's very people, sad. Yeah, people are looking for perfection nowadays when it comes to dating. And there's so, no such thing as perfection. And you're right, like, there, nobody is going to be absolutely perfect for you, you're going to have to work through some things. But if, if everything else seems really great, you know, like, they, there's so many, they I mean, they check a lot of your boxes, you have to know how to let go of certain things. But don't let go of the important things, you know, like, is this person empathetic? 
You know, does, does this person know how to communicate? How does this person treat you? Do they prioritize you in a relationship, right? Do they know how to speak to you properly rather than speaking down to you? All these things, those are the things that are important, but we need to let go of like silly little things like, oh, he didn't bring me flowers on Saturday or, you know, his, um, his, he combs his hair the wrong way. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's right? so true. It's so <laughs> true what you're saying because we get scared about committing. So we look for things and find things and we can always find things. And here's something else that's been going on. You know, the Me Too movement uh, before that was uh, women's rights uh, revolution at that time, women's movement. Uh, people are getting married later. Uh, because of that, women are looking for different types of relationships and they want it all. They want more. They're giving as well. So it gets much more complicated than in the past. A woman would get married. Uh, they'd have a, a family after a year or two and they'd get involved with that family. But today, as women have careers, uh, they want much more. They want someone who's going to give them the nurturing qualities, who's going to be family oriented, if that's what they're looking for. Um, someone who's going to fit in that circle, which is half and half, where before the roles were much more defined. It was a very easy time to have a relationship. Today, it's much less uh, defined and therefore it gets complicated. And so the question to ask each other is, what do you expect your role to be in our relationship? Mm -hmm. Do you want to take time off? Uh, do you want to take turns if we're going to have kids and how many and what do you want to do on your free time? All these women have control over where in the past, because men were making the money or because men were more dominant in the roles, they're the ones that made decisions. And after the break, I'll tell you an interesting research uh, study that I did. If we, if we don't have time to continue, but it was really very important to find out that women who were successful and had careers um, had more dominance in the relationship and uh, made more decisions in the relationship. So things were more equal and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's so it's, it's really important to know for women uh, that what happens outside the home, uh, they bring into, into the home uh, if you're respected, uh, if you're somebody that can be independent, uh, it creates less abuse in the relationship because the relationship becomes one when there's more mutual respect uh, for each other. And so I'm not talking about Johnny Depp I'm, uh, and Amber Hurst, Hertz. I'm talking about in general for everyone to know that the best kind of relationship is where you take turns uh, supporting each other, uh, being productive in the relationship and having decisions that you each can have your needs met. So that's also very important. So times have really changed uh, what we're looking for. Men have become more nurturing. Uh, women have become more responsible uh, with uh, making decisions, uh, financial responsibility as well. So it's much healthier today than it used to be, but it's also more stressful and much more complicated because as I said, there isn't that role divide uh, where the women stayed home and the men went out and worked. But the advantage of it is that women are less dependent on men uh, and men are less controlling because of that. So that's what we have looking forward to. Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important when you meet someone to know uh, what is their role in the relationship? What do they expect of you and where are you going together? 
Yeah, thank you for all that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to chat about the different forms of abuse found in a toxic relationship and the causes of these types of relationships. We'll be back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, joined by my co-host tonight, Joan Kelly Walker, and our special guest, Dr. Frida Birnbaum, discussing the causes of toxic relationships and why these happen. And before the break, we were talking about gender roles. And Dr. Frida, you had mentioned a study that you have worked on and uh, talking about how gender roles have changed and how women are more responsible to work and therefore less dependent and men are um, uh, you know, more willing to help out at home. So how do you use your study to learn what to expect in a relationship? Well, what to expect in a relationship is that I found that women who had careers were happier and the relationship was better. And the husbands in this relationship or partner in the relationship was also happier because they took turns with their responsibilities. You know, men uh, often had to uh, wait until they were older to enjoy being with their children. They just didn't have time. Uh, Today, it's not the case that women are taking over some of that responsibility. And women have always felt as if they were locked in because the childcare uh, was just a one-way street for them and they didn't fulfill other parts of themselves. I'm not talking about all women, but I'm talking about in general how things have changed in relationships and therefore the men are taking over in that area. And so my research, actually this was my dissertation for my PhD, found that women uh, were treated differently, although uh, there were people that were uncomfortable if a woman made more money than the man. Men and women felt intimidated by it. So that changed. And also today, women who do have a career and are successful are often less inclined to, to get married. They do have relationships because they don't want that dependency role. So times are, have changed. Uh, expectations have changed. I forgot the question already. I'm sorry, because I'm probably going everywhere here, throwing it all at you. But so we're talking about these toxic relationships. So we have more choices uh, than we used to have. And we're able to make changes uh, that we couldn't make. Uh, Even divorce used to be a stigma as if you were ill. And today divorce is something you have to do if you need to move forward and to grow. Uh, So it's important to be with someone who has a good sense of himself. If they don't or herself, they will try to bring you down with them because they're insecure. So when we're talking about healthy and toxic relationships today, it's very important to marry somebody or to have a partner in your life who has a good, strong sense of self. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that um and we have to have a strong sense of self as well right it all starts with us absolutely yeah let's chat about some of the different forms of abuse that can be found in a toxic relationship some people may not be aware that they're even in a toxic relationship absolutely you know that's a very important question that's a because exactly what you just said 
people are often not aware of it because it doesn't have to be physical abuse, of course. Emotional abuse is even worse. You don't see the scars, but you carry it inside you and you feel that, oh, that person will know. They'll change. The only way they'll change if you both go to therapy, if one of you goes instead of the other, you build up your self-esteem and often it leads into divorce as well. So that's important to know that when you are emotionally abused, uh, that person uh, doesn't realize it often just because you do. And that is a good reason to try to change that marriage. If that person who is emotionally abusive does not work with you, does not see that they're doing it, or they're doing it for their own self-fulfillment. We're talking about histrionic uh, tendencies, or narcissistic tendencies. Well, you don't have a choice. You have to be able to survive. Marriage does not come first. Yourself comes first. Your mental health comes first. Of course, physically abusive people uh, who are violent and they cause danger and harm, uh, that's easier to detect. But emotionally abusive people um, can bring your self-confidence down to the point where you feel isolated, you don't have friends, you don't think, do things that you enjoy, uh, you don't have hobbies, uh, you do more uh, work in the family than the other person does. All these things where you're isolated and you feel rejected even often by your own children, your own family uh, is abusive. So you have to be able to have fun. You have to be able to enjoy each other. You have to be able to let go. And most of all, do not live in fear. So, you know, just to dig a little further into that, what if it's not like a bold, aggressive kind of verbal, mental or physical abuse? Like, you know, if it's more subtle or passive aggressive, like how do you recognize the subtle signs of a toxic relationship? And that could be your own relationship or that of someone that you know, or someone that you care about, someone in your family. What are the signs that people should be looking out for? That's very easy. I have one formula. If you walk away from a person feeling worse than you did before, that person is not good for you, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a relative, whether it's a friend or whoever that is. You have to be aware of your own feelings. A person that you're with should enhance who you are, should make you feel better and not have a motive to put you down in any way. You just walk away. It's not necessary. You're not obligated to make that other person feel better. Your obligation is always to yourself first. And that's when you know you're with the wrong person and the wrong situation. Even from the beginning, when you start seeing, and as I was talking before, it takes a while after the romantic stage is over, when you start seeing that you're not feeling as good about yourself, or you can't be who you are, your personality, or you can't joke around, uh, you're not communicating to other people in the mm -hmm. same way, or they're asking you, why are you so uptight? Or why are you keeping to yourself? Uh, then you know uh, that that person is creating something that, as you said, could be passive aggressive, but it's still making a difference in your life. Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that. My goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you also as women too, and not just women, but our gut tells us if you, if you feel like, horrible every single day and you're constantly doubting yourself and you're constantly doubting the relationship that's a sign you always tend to be walking on eggshells all the time because you don't know how your partner's going to react 
or even just that, you know, that like that queasy or that really uneasy feeling you have around someone, someone where you almost feel like that anxiety, but you don't know where it's coming from. Or also sometimes they gaslight you, right? Or um, they tend to blame you for things. And, and that's more of like a narcissistic, um, uh, well, that's more like narcissistic abuse, but they tend to put blame on you whereas like they take no fault for anything. I mean, these are all signs that uh, you may be in a toxic relationship. But you know, what's very sad about this is that people often feel and has been women in the past, but now Johnny Depp is showing that men are abused as well, that maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe there's something that I can change and they'll see that they're saying the wrong thing. They'll understand. So they keep trying and working hard and becoming defensive and their whole energy or their whole lives maybe, are based on showing that person why they are wrong. But we have to know that that person has an agenda. That person has an invested interest in you being not sure of yourself. It's not because that person doesn't get it. It's not because that person doesn't want you to feel bad. On the contrary, that person's not you. You're healthier than the person that you're with. And you'll never be able to change that person's mind unless they decide to work on their se- themselves. And that's crucial for people to know not to second guess themselves. Or maybe if I did this or I said that every time you do that, every time you second guess yourself, you're chipping away at your own confidence, not only in this relationship, but wherever you go. And you'll notice that you're projecting differently. What you put out there comes back. And then every, your dynamics around you change. So be very careful of someone who is giving you the feeling that you're doing something wrong because most of the time it's them who wants to put you into that place. We also have to be aware that men can be in toxic relationships as well. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. like, yes. It's not just women that experience this. Men do as well. Well, you know, the Me Too movement clear. has given us harm in some ways because it's not that all women are good and all men are bad. And there are men that have been uh, looked at in such negative ways uh, that uh, they don't have a chance to express themselves. And we do want to be male, female. We don't want to all be one sex. So we do have to have this divide of the sexes, but we do have to be able to give the opportunity to men to express themselves as well and to see uh, where, where they are coming from. We can't just demand a relationship has to be two-sided. You can't just say, this is what I want. Then you should be alone. But this is we want, what we want. And we're doing this together. And we're helping each other. And we're trying to be able to compromise is a very important word. Compromise. You know, what does that other person really need? A relationship has to be about making that other person happy because then you feel better. It's not about what that other person can do for me. And that was the me movement a long time ago, the I movement, you know, it was about yourself. That's not what a relationship and that's not why you should be with someone. That's what companionship is about, to be able to give that other person something that makes you even happier than giving to yourself. We have to go back to the old fashioned premise of what a relationship is in the past it used to be when people went through devastation. They didn't have the luxury of saying, I want, I want. My mother used to say, why are you so busy? What, what's wrong with these people? They have food on the table. They have a place to live. You know, why are they complaining? 
because we want so much now, but we have to step back and see what is good enough as well. Because otherwise, there'll always be a reason why if you want to find fault, I guarantee you, you will find something. And so, so we have to really be able to compromise in such a way as understanding where that other person is coming from. You don't have to agree with that other person. That's not what support is about. You just have to value the other person's needs. And what happens, then that other person is, appreciates you doubly and wants to give the same thing back to you. And it's done unconditionally. It's not about what can I get from you. It's about what can I do for you to make you happy that will make me feel better. If you start out that way, a lot of relationships will have a much bigger chance than in the past because when it starts out wrong, in no way can that work. The original contract in a marriage, which is a verbal contract, has to stay. When a person shifts that premise in the beginning, it's very easy to say, I love you, I'll do everything for you under ideal conditions. But when it shifts, and that person says, hey, you're not who you, you said you were, then that relationship is in trouble. So we have to always reassess and reevaluate what we gave in the beginning to not shift because often a man looks for a woman uh, to stay the same and a woman looks to change the man. And that's when the problems begin because what usually happens is that the man stays the same and the woman changes as time goes on. So that's a, a, a deficit that we have in the beginning of the relationship. You know, what it means to keep a, a marriage together, a relationship together, what premise is that? And the best marriages are those, the ones that are staying together. I will continue this. When we come back, we're gonna continue our discussion on toxic relationships, stay with us. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, joined by my co-host tonight and my lovely friend, Joan Kelly Walker, media personality and philanthropist, and our special guest, Dr. Frida Birnbaum. We are discussing toxic relationships. We're going to continue our discussion on that. And, you know, we, I can't help but think about the fascination with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And they've been so much in the public eye and there's so much scrutiny on social media about them. And there's like teams on either side of them and people have taken time off work to attend the trials. Like it's, it's crazy, all the frenzy surrounding this. Do you think people are actually learning something by watching this like are, are we gaining information because it's it's like she's saying she's accusing him of the same things that he's accusing her of are we actually getting anything out of this absolutely uh, we're getting something out of it. it's very important to know that uh when you're looking at a marriage or a relationship uh how it starts. And so, as I said before, these people were in a state of dysfunction. Uh, Amber had a history of being uh, in toxic relationships uh, where there was violence involved. And she seems to have felt that that kept the relationship going. Even after she uh, threw things at him and was abusive, she begged him not to leave. So to, for her, that was a way of really keeping uh, this uh, relationship 
uh, together, which was a personality disorder of hers. Uh, and as I mentioned, histrionic uh, personality that she had, which is self-centered uh, uh, as well. So uh, borderline personalities do create the shift back and forth uh, with each other. So th this relationship started as a toxic relationship and it moved on to going in a direction that escalated more and more. And when we're looking at both people, who was really at fault? Well, Johnny Depp, as I said, as I had previously mentioned, I don't know if I've this show, but that he had drug addictions and alcoholism in his life. And he was somebody who was verbally abusive for sure from the tapes that we heard and the things that were said. But then again, Amber heard uh, we had uh, tapes about her throwing things and not telling the truth. So they so were what both. What did we learn by watching all this? Yes. Well, we had. They had people, witnesses. They had uh, uh, professionals. They had tapes. I. I always wonder how did they get all these tapes? I don't get it. I don't know who took all these tapes. Uh, some of them Amber Heard took. Uh, some of them that were recorded. Why were they re pre-recorded? I don't get it. Was she setting it up? Oh, uh, they were all from coming from her. So that's a good question. I, I think. We should find that out as well. So when we're looking at these two people, uh, and the question was, did we learn anything from it? We're learning to the, the fact that one played off from the other. He was used to this kind of relationship from her pa his past. She was used to this kind of relationship from her past. So they played off from each other, and they were stuck uh, with not resolving any of their issues till Johnny, like his father, just walked out of the relationship and left. So these people uh, have taught us that when we're together and something happens, don't wait for it to get better because guess what? It's going to repeat itself. Life is full of repetitions, as you know, in your relationships. Things keep repeating because we're accustomed to the way we address the issues. So you have to break it as quickly as possible. The longer you wait, the more people are invested in their own issues and the least possible chance of them changing uh, their behavior because you will be wrong and they will be right. What's really important to know is that there's no right or wrong. It's really what has the best effect on the relationship that really makes the difference. But when you're in this personality disorder, you don't care about that. Uh, you want to be self-centered, up there, valued, and there's a need uh, to be approved of. So you're not looking uh, to really see that it's fair play. You just want to be right. And that's very toxic, of course. But we're learning from that. How do we respond to our spouses? Or how do we respond to our partners in our lives? Do we set things up to keep repeating itself? Do we say mm -hmm. things that are harmful, that are, are not meaning to make the other person feel good? We can always find triggers, and those triggers can be very painful, but it gets us nowhere. For the, for the moment, it's self-satisfying, but in the long run, that person's going to come right back at you and make you feel all, often worse. So it's a word of wars, and as we spoke about in the past, emotional abuse is very painful. Now, okay, so 
people that are victims of abuse, right? They're usually stuck in this cycle of going back to the relationship. Um, and, you know, they keep falling for the person who's uh, abused them or is currently abusing them. Why is this? I mean, how can we prevent ourselves from going through this again? Well, what happens as children, uh, we don't have the authority over making changes. Our parents are the ones that tell us what to do. So when we meet an ad adult that has similar problems, we say, ah, here's our chance. I'm going to fix him. I know what it is to do, we need to do. But before that happens, uh, that's really the time to reinvest in who you are and what you need to look for. And if you need to look for somebody that's different, you need to become a different person. You need to work through your uh, grievances from your past before you marry, before you have a partner, in order to find someone who can't fix it because that person has nothing to do with your past. And then you look for someone who does fit for who you are, doesn't fill who you are, because you should fill that whole circle yourself. And when you're in a good place, when you know what it is that's good for you, when you know what kind of person, you have to really know who you're looking for. What kind of person do you want? Do you want a kind person? Do you want somebody who's uh, going to contribute in some way? Do you want someone who's going to be supportive? Or do you want somebody who's going to be difficult and you have to prove yourself? And people on an unconscious level will say, ah, this person's for me. And really that person is not for them. That person is someone they're familiar with. So looking for that right, healthy person should be dominant on your list before you even go out on your first date and know what questions to ask. Don't be afraid to ask the questions because that's the only time you'll find the answers. Okay, we'll be right back, guys. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, joined by my co host, Joan Kelly Walker, and our special guest tonight, Dr. Frida Birnbaum. And we are discussing toxic relationships, and we're going to get back to just that. So the, before the break, I was talking about. People meeting, getting married within like two months, thinking they can live happily ever after. And hey, I've seen it maybe a handful of times, but for the most part, I think in the society, the society we live in today, I would not suggest it, especially if you have not gone through or shared certain experiences with the person. You know, you haven't seen them at their ultimate highs or their their ultimate lows. What are they like when they get? depressed or down or you know how do they deal with situations have you met their entire family what is that dynamic like I mean all these things come into play and are so important so and, and I think you had a story for us Dr. Frida so go ahead <laughs> yes I absolutely do so it's interesting you brought this up because I'm one of those people you're talking about I was uh, I met my husband uh, at the Catskills at that time a Jewish singles resort uh, very typical and uh, girl singers. And uh, three months later, we were engaged. And uh, three months after that, we were married. And uh, yeah, we found out a lot about each other. One good thing is that when you are married, you work on it. So if we weren't, believe me, we wouldn't be together today. It's what marriages always work. And my research showed that if you work on your marriage, uh, 
in the midst of the problems. And if you stay together, it can be better than ever, but you do have to work on it. But yes, we grew up together. We, uh, he went to law school and I was working and paid for his school and it wasn't easy. And then I wanted to go to school and he wanted me to have kids. And then I said, oh, I'm getting old. I'm already uh, 26. I better have a child. So I did that. And then at 30, I had another one. And then my career came after that. And I worked hard and I was accepted to Columbia, but I left because I had children that needed me. And then I went to a school without walls and I got my PhD. But it's a different time now. And uh, you, women don't have to work as hard as I did to do that, because at my time, uh, women didn't do that. They said you either have a family or you have a career. You don't have a choice. And today, uh, it's much more natural to do both. So when we're looking at uh, what is better at that time, and my research looked at what is better to have a, a family, a relationship, a career first. I mean, where do we go with this? We didn't know we could do, do it all. I was told I was selfish and greedy for doing it, uh, but it helped in my relationship because today we're talking about toxic relationships and it helped me. It helped me to have a voice and to make decisions and uh, being married so long, uh, it's been a process of working together I've been, uh, and I was from a family that was very emotionally supportive. My husband was not. Uh, so uh, that's very important, the emotional state and background of the other person. So I have to be, I've done therapy on my husband for years. I don't know if it's helped, but maybe it helped a little bit to be able to, for him to be more involved because he came from a different generation where men just went to work and came home. Uh, so. Is well, that sure a long? You, yeah, I'm sure your husband didn't like that. <laughs> you giving him therapy. Most husbands oh, yeah. would not want them. Did, was he okay with it? Because I would, I would assume most men would not want to. Well, you know, he wanted, he wanted help be with his parents. By their wife. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He would, he would flop down on the couch and he loved it because it would give him an hour of downtime and talking about himself. He wasn't used to that. And yes, you're right. But uh, because of my background as a psychoanalyst, I was taught to have take get rid of all my own issues, even in my personal life, and just heard where he was coming from. And he spoke mostly about his parents. So, uh, it, and that's a hard issue to resolve as well. But uh, yes, it was a lot of work. Uh, being in a marriage is work. You have to be prepared uh, to work on the marriage. And because I had this paper saying I was married, uh, we were more committed uh, to the differences and the differences were many and yet we were both from the same religion and yet it was a different sect, a different type of religion, me orthodox background, him conservative. So, mm -hmm. that, so there are a lot of complications uh, that come into a marriage that on the surface uh, seems similar, but it was uh, six months and then we got married because my parents said to him, listen, we, we, my daughter cannot go out with anyone who's not serious about her. So you better make sure. So right there at the table, he said to them, can I marry your daughter? <laughs> and I'm looking at him, I saying, what? I just turned 22. And um, that's how it happened. We got married. I got married to please my parents. And that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon for those. And those, are those are generally the, the weddings, the marriages that actually work out. 
Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your story and the fact that you and your husband were able to communicate through those like quote unquote, you know, therapy sessions, because it all kind of comes down to that, I think anyway. But my question is, how do you get out of a toxic relationship? How do you get out of a toxic relationship? You have to have a plan. You have to have a short-term plan, uh, which means find a friend or a relative where you can stay. And the long-term plan is what are your goals? Where is your career? Uh, how can you follow through? And once you have all that established, only then do you go back to your partner and say, it's time to leave. Unless your partner wants to work on the relationship with you, you don't have a chance. Don't waste your years and your time trying to fix it on your own. You can't do it on your own. So those are the two options. He comes with you or she comes with you. Or you find have a plan, short-term and long-term plan. I love all of that. Um, well, that's uh, the end of our show tonight. If you find yourself in a toxic relationship, please know that you are not alone and that there is help for you. Um, do you have a, a, like a hotline or something for them, Dr. Frida? Uh, well, uh, they could I have drfrida.com is my website and also F-R-I-E-D-A. Uh, also, uh, Dr. Frida spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-F-R-I-E-D-A at gmail.com and they could email me with any comments. Okay, beautiful. And where can they grab uh, a copy of your books? Uh, my, co my book is on Amazon right now and Barnes and Noble. And they are, um, they're called Life Begins at 60 and What Price Power, right? Those are the two names Thank of your Thank you, books. yes. Yes, so thank you so much for joining us. And Joan, where can people get a hold of you, my love? My website, joankellywalker.com or Instagram, joankellywalkerofficial. And myself, official Laura Velada on TikTok and Instagram and singleinthecity.ca if you're looking to meet singles in the Toronto area. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and each and every week. Ciao for now, guys.